Good morning, Rose Bauer. It's good to see everybody here, God's house today. Um, if you notice we're missing a little something, and the microphone is a little bit short down here, it's because we're doing something a little different today. We've got the nursery kiddos, the older two-year-olds. They're going to come out, and they're going to sing a few songs for us. So let's welcome the little two-year-olds, the nursery kiddos. Welcome them out here. And all these, all these kiddos, they all were born, man, it seemed like within a few weeks of one another, but we, everybody was pregnant there for a little bit. If you weren't with us, we had something going around in the water. And it's still lingering. <laughs> we still got some kids popping out here and there, but what a blessing it is to have um, all these kiddos in our congregation, and they're so precious. I always like to visit with them, so... Miss Rana and Kendra and Haley, y'all, y'all want to introduce them or y'all just want to start singing? We're gonna sing. Just going to sing.
Let's give it up for them kiddos. And singing. I heard you. I heard you all. That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of that, you know, he's talking about nursery. It takes a village, y'all, to, to um, in our children's ministry to, to raise up these kiddos. And we got, you know, nursery opportunities available if you would like to work. This was a recruiting tool that we're using here, you know, nursery. And then, of course, the children's church on. We still got a song to sing. We're going to sing a song. We're going to do. OK, we'll do it right after that. But um, with the ch Children's Church, you know, they do Awanas on Wednesday nights and then Children's Church on Sunday morning. So if you love the kids, absolutely volunteer for that. So, Jimmy, come on up here and welcome us. Good morning. It's kind of hard to follow up that uh, performance there, uh, but y'all are stuck with me. Um, so... Welcome to Rosebier this morning. I hope you enjoyed our, our starting act this morning. Those kids are wonderful. Um, and I promise you, in the nursery, they actually, most of them actually sing. They don't just sit up here and look pretty. Um, but it was a blessing to have them up here this morning and come to sing uh, for us this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're so happy to have you with us. Um, on the back of the pew there, there is a little information card. We'd appreciate if you'd fill that out for us. Um, if you put it in the offering plate, it'd be great. Can't, there is a box out in the foyer that you could drop it in. We'd just like to get a little, know a little bit more about you. Um, but we do welcome you here to worship with us this morning. Um, also, today, we're taking up a love offering uh, for the Andrew Buchanan's family. Most of y'all know Andrew passed away last week. Um, and his funeral was this week, and this is to help his family with some of their funeral expenses. And if you'd like to give, please put it in one of these love offering envelopes, put it in the offering plate or out in the box, as I said earlier, um, just to help out that family. And I know the family um, will greatly appreciate it. So this month, I picked out a verse um, that kind of goes along with our, our Christmas season, and it's Isaiah 9-6, and it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Last week I kind of talked about that first line a little bit. Today I want to look at that second line, and the government will be on his shoulders. What does that mean? You know, when you think about being, you know, being on a shoulder, you know, that's a to bear a responsibility, you know, to, to bear something on your shoulder, to carry a responsibility. What did Jesus come to earth to do? He came to bear responsibility for our sins. God sent him to, to be the sacrifice for us, for our sins. Um, you know, he, he came, he, he, he was suffered on the cross, he died, he rose again for us to be able to have eternity in heaven. Um, and when you think about that, and the government will be on his shoulder, you know, our spiritual life, our heart and soul, is what he governs. And he should, you know, we should 
give our heart and soul to him, for him to govern that. That's why he came to this earth, to, to govern our heart and soul. And I hope and pray that each one of you today have given your heart to Christ. If you haven't, you know, don't wait any longer. Um, none of us are promised tomorrow. You know, Andrew, you know, he was less than 50 years old. I uh, had a friend yesterday I saw in the paper that died. He was 53 years old. Um, you know, as I look out in the crowd, there's a few under the 50 mark. But as for me and my house, we're over the 50 mark. And so, you know, that starts hitting home. And none of us are promised that we have another day. So I pray that, you know, if you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, don't wait another day. Make today the day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for allowing us just to come to your house today to worship you. And Father, as, as you sent Jesus to, to this earth, you know, he, he came to be an example for us, for us to, to be able to model our lives after, Father. And I pray that, you know, we do that each and every day. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here that's never accepted you as a personal Savior, today will be the day they accept salvation. But they won't wait. I ask, Father, again, that you forgive us where we fail you. Uh, be with us through the rest of the service. Pray that you just be with Justin and, and help him as he brings the message to us today. Um, may all the distractions of the world be, be out of all of us and we can focus on your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, as the ushers are picking up the offering, we're going to all stand and we're going to begin in singing worship by singing, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Christmas angels 
Rejoice in the Lord now and always. Sing it again, we rejoice. Delight in the love He has shown us. Gratefully lift up your voice. His gentleness among us will join our hearts with praise. We gather in His goodness, a family of grace. With these breath He's given, praise the Lord. In these times we live in, we will praise the Lord throughout it.
Sing we the song of Emmanuel. This the Christ who was long for so low in the shadows of Bethlehem. Promise of dawn now our eyes behold. God most high in a manger lay. Lift your voices and now proclaim great and glorious love has come to us. Join now with the host of heaven. Come we to welcome Emmanuel, the King who came with no crown or throne. Helpless he lay thee invincible, maker of Mary, now Mary's son. Oh, what wisdom to save us all, shepherds, sages before him fall. Grace and majesty, what humility, come on. Tell the world 
kiddos it is time for children's church if you all will line up by the door there we got one more song we're going to worship with and it is one of my faves Church of Christ. 
For this day, Lord, we thank you for this time to come into your house and to worship you, Lord, to lift you high above all else, God, and to, and to praise you for who you are, Lord, and what you've done. God, in this season, we look to the miracle of the incarnation, God, the, the Son of God um, walking among us as man, Lord. Um, but we also look forward to what you, you were sent here for in the end, Lord, which was your death and ultimately our rebirth, God. Um, our resurrection uh, to be with you for eternity, Lord. We thank you for those miracles that have brought us life and brought us peace and brought us so much joy, Lord. And we pray that during this time today that we would rest on those truths, Lord, and then throughout this season also that we would um, just continue to remember all of your mighty works. In that name I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for being here this morning as we worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to begin a sermon series this morning entitled The Promise of Christmas. And this morning as we begin our sermon series called The Promise of Christmas, I want us to go back in Scripture to the very first promise of Scripture. Or very first promise of, promise of Christmas in Scripture. And we're going to look back not only to Luke and how the baby was born, not only to Isaiah and the promise of one to come, the Messiah, but I want us to go back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. So if you'll turn with me, Genesis chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 8 in just a moment. We as believers are familiar with Genesis chapter 3. We know and understand Genesis 1 and 2. We know about the creation account, how in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. He created the trees and the waters and the land. He created Adam, and then he creates all of the animals. And then he creates Eve. And in Genesis 1 and verse 31, it says that after creating all that was created and, and watching all that he created, doing what he created to do, it's, God says it was very good. That means God's creation was absolutely perfect. It was doing exactly what he intended it to do. It what it was designed to do from the beginning. It was very good. God gave Adam and Eve rule over the garden to do any and, any and everything that they would like to do in this most beautiful garden. He gave them only one rule, and that was not to eat of this one tree, the fruit of this one tree, true, the tree of good and evil. But then 
a serpent comes along. And we know the certain the serpent to be who? Satan, right? Satan. Serpent is Satan. Satan was an angel once. He was part of God's creation. He created the angels and all of heaven. And Satan was not happy with his role. He wanted to be like God and he wanted to be God. And because of his pride, God banishes him from heaven. And he falls from heaven, and now we find him appearing on the earth. But it's not only Satan that falls and is banished from heaven, but one-third of the angels that are in heaven follow Satan. And they are banished as well from heaven and now on earth. So Satan and these other angels, these demons, this evil organization that have come together ultimately because of their pride and they want to be God. And now we see Satan in the form of a serpent appearing on earth doing what he does best, deceiving Eve. He comes up to Eve and he tells her, Now did God really say that if you would eat of this fruit, that you would surely die. Surely he didn't mean that. I mean, God is good and God is loving. I mean, look how wonderful God is. God would not have, you would not, what he, if you eat of this fruit, that means you will be like God. And that's what he don't want. He don't want you to be like him and being able to know good and evil. And so that's why he told you, this fruit's really not that bad. This fruit's actually good. Look at it. Look how juicy it looks. Looks so much better than all that other fruit that you actually can have. He deceives Eve. While Adam is right there beside her, she takes of the fruit and she eats it. And it says they realized they were naked and they become afraid. This is the beginning of Genesis chapter 3. But look with me now in verse 8. Will you stand to your feet as we read this? Genesis 3 and verse 8. Verse 7, they had just ate. Their eyes were opened. They're both naked, and now they're ashamed, and now they're afraid. Verse 8, and it says, And then they heard the sound of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I ate. Stop there just for a moment. So first, this is where the blame game begins, right? Adam, what have you done? And he says, It's the woman Blames her, but not only does he blame her, who else does he blame? God. <laughs> it's her fault. You gave her to me, and now we're in this mess. So really, God, if you really want to go back to it, it's all your fault. She was the wrong one. How many were on earth? Just one. <laughs> there is no other. She's Verse 12. 
The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you so much for your word. For this time together in your house to give praise, honor, and glory to your most holy name. God, we pray that you'd bind Satan from this place. God, I pray by your spirit you'll speak the words that you'd have us to hear. And that you'll speak to our lives. For it's in the most powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is absolutely wonderful. It's the Garden of Eden that's been created absolutely perfect. Adam and Eve are a, are a perfect relationship with God. They're a perfect relationship with each other. Genesis 1 and 2 gives us a glimpse of what heaven will be like. You see, this is the way God create, intended on us to live for all of eternity, to live in a perfect relationship with him and with each other. That was God's design. But what we find in Genesis chapter 3 is the darkest day in human history. It's the darkest day in human history. Adam and Eve disobey God. And what we learn is because of this one sin, this sin, like a disease that is more contagious than COVID or the flu or any other disease that we've ever come in contact with, sin is entered into the bloodline of humanity, and now all of humanity has become sinful because of Adam and Eve disobeying a holy God. This is what Scripture teaches us in Romans 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none that is righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen and we've all went astray. We are born children of wrath, is what it says in Ephesians chapter 3. That is, we are all born sinful. And because of this sin, there is now a conflict. All right? There is now, there's two things I want you to see in this passage. And the first thing I want you to notice is the conflict that he mentions. We're focusing primarily on verse 15 together. Or 15 together this morning. And, and, and the enmity. Notice, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and he, you shall bruise his heel. He tells us here there is enmity between Satan and the woman. There is enmity between Adam and Eve. There's enmity between man and God. This enmity that we're talking about, that we see in Scripture, what we know it to be ultimately a war, a conflict, a separation between the two. That's what sin has caused on earth and in our relationship. We have been separated from God because God is holy, He is righteous, He is perfect, He is just, He is right. And what that means is He cannot be connected to sin at any level without punishing it with His wrath and His full wrath for all of eternity. So the only way, 
not to burn up in his wrath in the moment, was for him to banish us, banish humanity apart from his presence. So from the moment of Adam and Eve's rebellion, there's a curse that is placed on Satan, and there's a curse that's placed on humanity, and it's the curse of sin. And that curse of sin means that, that now all who are going to be born will be born in sin. And when we are born, we are born sinful. Because of our sin, we deserve the wrath of God and death, is what the Bible tells us. The wages of sin is death and the wrath of God for all of eternity. So this is the darkest day in human history. What we learn is we are sinful, not just because of the sinful things that we do, but because of our very nature, that's who we are. We are sinful, and we're born sinful. No one teaches us how to sin. We are born with that sin nature. And because of this curse, we are born blinded to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are blinded because of our sin. We are bent towards sin. We are bent towards Satan. And we could not live a perfect life if we wanted to. If God gave us one million chances to live a perfect life, we would fail miserably one million times. Because we are born children of wrath in our sin, blinded to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why the world is in the shape that it's in. That's why we legalize sin. That's why we celebrate sin. That's why we embrace sin, because we are born sinful, and we know nothing else but sin. We live and follow after sin and Satan, and we can see a very clear picture of it in the United States of America. Satan and sin is the ruler of this world. But fortunately, our text teaches us the promise of Christmas. We are given a promise, and the promise is conflict and sin, disruption and darkness. That Satan is a deceiver. He's cunning. He's crafty. He's constantly trying to steal, kill, and destroy. To deceive us from the truth and what is actually true. That's what he does and does best he doesn't change <laughs> you know what you're going to get with satan he is the father of all lies but not only do we see the promise of a conflict but we see the promise of a coming notice in verse 15 this is the first gospel promise in all of the bible this is the first promise of Christmas that we have in Scripture, where he says, He shall bruise your head, and, 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 and you shall bruise his heel. Notice this is a promise that there is one, because notice the word he. He shall bruise your head. This is a promise there is one who is coming that will overcome Satan, sin, darkness, destruction, and death. This is the first promise of Scripture for Jesus to come. This is the first promise of Christmas where a baby would be born, is that he shall come and crush the serpent's head. And that he that he's speaking of is Jesus Christ, and he will overcome Satan, he will overcome sin, and he will overcome death for any man, woman, boy, or girl who will call out upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. And we're promised this 
all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, a few verses after sin entered the world. Back up a bit. This was God's plan before creation was even created. Before the beginning of the world, God had already knew what would transpire. And he already had a plan of redemption for our sins before Adam and Eve ever sinned. That's how good and great and wonderful our God really is. That he knew us in our, in our wretched state. He knew how sinful we would be, but he didn't give up on us. He didn't leave us in our sin and say, this is what you deserve. But instead, he began a, a plan for redemption moments after we fall into our sin. This is the first promise. This is the first prediction. When I was kind of studying this, I was kind of thinking about this prediction, but it's more than a prediction. Like a prediction is like, I think the Bills are going to win today, <laughs> you know, or I predict UK is going to win today, right? I predict, you know, that's a prediction, what we think. This is more than that, you know, and I was kind of thinking about, do y'all remember the movie, one of my favorite movies growing up was Back to the Future with Marty McFly. And Biff. Do you remember? I think it's Back to the Future 2. That Biff got his hands on an almanac from 1955. Or maybe it's 1980. He went all the way back to 1955 with an almanac from the 80s. And then it went on even further. And he got it back in 1955. And he began to make bets on this sports almanac of, of games that had already transpired. But they had already played. So it really wasn't a prediction because... He already knows the end of the game. And he made millions. It was a sure bet. It was a sure prediction. But even Back to the Future messed up with a prediction of the Cubs winning the series in 2015. You remember that? He said 2015, the Cubs win the series. They missed it by one year. The Cubs won 2016. A sure prediction is the promise of Christmas. This is Jesus being predicted all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, but it's more than a prediction. It is a promise. It is a certainty from God, our Heavenly Father, who's created the heavens. He's created the earth, and He has created a plan of redemption for our sins, and the plan is Jesus Christ, His Son. This is more than a prediction. This is a promise. This is a certainty. Notice the part here. It says, You shall bruise His heel. You shall bruise his heel. What he's pointing to, he's speaking to Satan. Satan shall bruise, ultimately, Jesus' heel. And he's pointing forward to the future, to the cross of Calvary when Jesus dies. But how many of you know when he said he will bruise your heel? A heel bruise is a significant injury, all right? If you hurt your heel, you're going to hobble around, but it's not life-threatening, right? It's not a fatal wound. It's not a fatal blow. It's more of a flesh wound, if you will. Now, it may hurt. It may be painful. It may be difficult, but it's not fatal. It's painful. It's agonizing. The bruise that he's pointing to here in Scripture is he's pointing to the cross. And what we know to be true is cross is the most agonizing and painful death known to man. There is no more pain a man can experience than what Jesus uh, experienced on the cross of Calvary. 
the most painful, agonizing death, Jesus dies on the cross of Calvary. And in the moment when he dies, Satan and all of his demons most certainly thought they had won. When Jesus was placed on the cross, when he was put in the tomb for three whole days, they would have celebrated, and Satan actually thought he had defeated Jesus. He thought he had outsmarted him. He thought he'd outmaneuvered him. He thought he'd outconquered him, that he had actually taken care of him. And why was Satan so hard at trying to take care of Jesus and to have him killed? Because who was in the garden It was given the promise that his head would be crushed. Satan. God looks at Satan and says, there will come one and he will crush your head. So get it like this. So like if I come up to you and say, listen, I'm going to crush your head. <laughs> you're going to do one or two things. You're going to try to avoid me so I don't crush your head. Or you're going to crush my head before I can crush your head. Right? You're going to hit. You're going to strike first. Right? That's what Satan tries to do. He was promised in the Garden of Eden. You, you've got no chance. <laughs> you may think, you may have a few victories along the way, but ultimately you will be conquered. He'd been promised in the Garden of Eden that you were going to be crushed so Satan works all through the Old Testament trying to destroy the line in which it was promised that Jesus would come. Tried to do away with the Jews. Tried to do away with the line of David. Tried to do away with the promise of the Messiah and the promise of the king. And you remember King Herod did, killed all the baby boys because they were trying to get rid of Jesus because Satan knew what Jesus meant. Satan knew meant Jesus meant the end of Satan's rule. And he tried his very best effort to get rid of Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, Satan for a moment thought he had won. But it was a premature celebration. Have you ever seen a premature celebration? Someone thought they had won or someone thought they had done something well and celebrated too early. Someone that is running a race. And when the last 10 yards, they're kind of celebrating, holding their hands up, and someone comes right behind them and beats them to the line. Can you remember the California versus Stanford football game? Many years ago, that they kicked the ball off, and they come, and it looks like they're down, but they had already lateraled it, and the band comes running on the field, and the dude still has the ball, and he jumps on the band member and knocks him down into the end zone and wins the game premature celebration the band come running on the field can you remember i remember when i was a kid watching the cowboys versus the bills in the super bowl That's exactly what's going on with Satan. When Jesus is in the tomb for three days, there's a celebration that's going on from Satan and all of his demons and all of the organization they got together. But it's premature. It's premature. Because God had promised that Jesus 
would crush the serpent's head. Satan had forgotten the promise. The death of Jesus was only a flesh wound. It was only temporary. For this was the plan of God from the beginning of creation to redeem a sinful man from their sins. And that was going to come through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who offers himself as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. He truly is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Christmas, as we celebrate Christmas, it is the surest evidence that Jesus keeps his promise. <laughs> that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again so that we may have life and life everlasting. That all of Satan's attempts fail miserably. The devil has caused us to stumble and to sin. He looks to deceive us, to steal from us. To destroy us. Saying the sin that we're in right now is not that bad. That everyone's doing it. It's okay. It's just a white lie. But Christ was born to secure our salvation from sin and Satan. Jesus was born to crush the head of Satan. That's what he, to crush the head. We talked about a heel wound being a flesh wound. But how many of you know a head wound is a fatal wound? The head is the control center of the body. It's more important than your foot or that your heel. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what defeated Satan, his plan, and all of the demons. Genesis 3 and verse 15 is the first promise of Christmas that Jesus was coming to redeem us from our sin, to redeem us from hell, to redeem us from Satan, to redeem us from the wrath that was coming. This is the first promise of Christmas. There is one who is to come. And when he comes, he will crush the head of the serpent. And now on this day, as we celebrate Christmas, many, many years past the promise. After Jesus has been born, after Jesus lived a perfect life, after Jesus died and was placed in the tomb and on the third day he arose, now we celebrate Christmas as the surest promise that Jesus keeps his promise. Now, any man, woman, boy, or girl who will call on the name of Jesus will be saved because Jesus was born to crush the head of the serpent and to secure our salvation in him. What began as the darkest day in human history gave way to the light that has overcome the darkness, and now we have hope for all of eternity because of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your word and we thank you for this promise and we thank you for what Christmas means to us as believers. God, I pray that as we celebrate Christmas, you remind us of this promise that you have given us. Lord, you encourage us with this promise that we may be confident in a lost and dying world, in a dark, dark world, that we have hope in Jesus Christ that you may fill us with your words of wisdom, that we may go to a lost world, and that we may speak in the name of Jesus the gospel. Lord, we pray for those who are lost. Lord, we pray for the initials of CT and JS this morning. Lord, you know their names and you know their hearts. And Lord, you know if there's one here this morning that is far from you, God, I pray today would be the day that they would turn from their sins, come to know you as Lord and Savior of the life before it's everlasting too late. Lord Jesus, we pray for salvation in your house. Use your spirit to speak to our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Please stand. seated. Thank you so much for being here this morning as we worship the Lord together. Uh, thank you for being here for our business meeting this morning as well at 930 hour. If you're not a part of a Sunday school class, we would love to invite you to come and dig in with a small group. Uh, you'll love the community that we will be praying with you. We'll be talking with you. It's, a, it's an awesome experience to be uh, with a small group of people learning about the Lord and sharing your burdens with one another. So we invite you to a Sunday school class. We got like six adult classes. We got men's classes, women's classes, couple classes. Uh, we invite you to come and be a part. This is a perfect time for come and be a part of our Sunday school classes at the 930 hour. All right. We also want to share with you a few announcements. Uh, Gideon Bibles, if you would like to donate Bibles in the memory of or in honor of someone this Christmas season, please see Bob or Nancy Reynolds, Amos Anderson, Harold or Alice Story. Uh, you can do that this Christmas season. Also, the seniors, if you're having a Christmas dinner, Tuesday, December 13th at 5 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. If you're going to be there, please sign up today so that we know how many of you will be there. Meat will be provided. And then the Awana Family Christmas Party is Wednesday, December the 14th at 6 p.m. in the Reach Out Center. Everyone is invited. Uh, to that 6 p.m. December the 14th and then a happy anniversary to Jordan and Lacey Duncan on December the 14th uh, thank you guys for your love for one another your love for the Lord and happy anniversary I think that's all the announcements I have for you at this time if you'll stand to your feet we're going to be dismissed thank you for being here this day 
And may God bless you. As we continue our series, The Promise of Christmas, uh, be in prayer as we walk through that together. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will be dismissed. Chris Gates, would you mind leading us in our closing prayer?